every one of you who confesses Jesus as Lord of the universe signs up for a significance beyond anything you ever dreamed. And I mean business men and women here, homemakers, students. To belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations. Your heart was made for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Made for Missions podcast, a ministry of 1-8 Catalyst, where we are pursuing the completion of the Great Commission worldwide. To learn more about our work or to listen to previous episodes, please visit our website at 1-8, spelled out in word form, catalyst.org. That's 1-8-catalyst.org. Thanks for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. I am Mike Falkenstein welcoming you to this, the 73rd episode of the Made for Missions podcast. I am your host, here without my co-host, Ken Watmore, to introduce you to the second part of the interview that I did with Dwayne Frazier, now serving with Joshua Project. And, you know, I was just thinking in between these two episodes... The high value that uh, Joshua Project has, I mean, their ministry value is quite high, given that, you know, they're they're maintaining this list of the 17,000 some odd people groups around the world. And as I mentioned, I think it's in this episode, for those of us who have a heart to reach the unreached, really with kind of this goal, right, there are these two passages in scripture that we, that we see. Revelation 7, 9, where we see this great vision of, behold, I looked out to a multitude of people that could not even be counted from every tongue and tribe and language, praising God, salvation belongs to the Lord and to the Lamb. And then in Matthew 24, right, we have uh, Matthew talking about this, you know, the gospel is going to be preached to every nation And then the end will come. And for those of us who are working towards that end coming, obviously, you know, being able to know where to go and these people groups and maintaining the list is a key part of that. And so I'm so thankful for Joshua Project and for the work that they do. And so what I ask Dwayne Frazier, who, by the way, as I mentioned in this first episode of the interviews, this is the guy that you want to have come talk about these different lists. You know, he does a fantastic job, mainly because he just knows so much about them, right? That's what he mentions in this episode. That's what they do every day at Joshua Project is they're talking about the list and they're maintaining the list. They're talking to other people. They're, they're doing the research and comparing and, you know, uh, it's really fantastic work. So Dwayne's your guy. In this second episode, uh, the second part of the interview you know, I ask him some more details about these three lists that we see of these people groups. Why are there differences? What are the differences? What should we do about those differences? Is that okay to have the differences? And I think he does a good job of kind of melding them together to say, well, really what we're trying to do is maybe combine the three lists and uh, to be able to get a complete picture of what people groups are still left in the Revelation 7, 9 process. And then how do we use those lists effectively? So thank you for joining us. Again, go to their website, joshuaproject.net. 
and enjoy this second half of the episode of this uh, interview that I have with Dwayne Frazier. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us again. I've got Dwayne Frazier on the line yet again from Joshua Project. He was on our last episode. So if you've not listened to that episode, let me right off the bat again mention that I would highly encourage you to listen to that episode because some of the things we're going to be talking about this for this episode really will build off of that one. And so, Dwayne, when you were with us last time, we were talking about these general facts about these people group lists that we find of the people groups throughout the world, both that are reached, that are unengaged and unreached. And so, obviously, for anyone who has a heart for reaching the unreached, you know, these lists are so useful. Just to begin, even though we've just talked about it last week, give folks an idea quickly. Give us kind of a two or three minute uh, overview of what you guys do at Joshua Project and how people can get to your website. Sure. So the website is joshuaproject.net. And uh, what we do at Joshua Project is we have a list of all the ethnic groups or the people groups of the world. The Great Commission that Jesus gave us was to go into all nations. That word really is the Greek root of that is ethne. And so you can hear kind of ethnic in there. It doesn't mean countries. So our focus is primarily on people groups, and it's primarily on the people groups that are gospel-deprived or gospel-poor, those that have the fewest Christ followers among them. And so we have specific criteria that tells what we consider unreached, unreached people group. We're not talking about individuals and we're not talking about countries. We're talking about somewhere in between, and that is these people who have affinity for one another. They're in an ethnic group. The What binds them together is often a common language. That's one of the biggest ones. But also sometimes it transcends language and what binds them together and gives them affinity is just cultural similarities, something that they share. And so Joshua Project gives this list with the hope that people who want to inform themselves about people groups and that reality for mission sending will know which are the kind of priority groups or which ones fit their need. So we can imagine a group that says, I don't think that our group or our organization can focus on a completely unreached people group. We'd like to come alongside something that's already happening. Well, you could figure that out through Joshua Project. So again, the website is joshuaproject.net. Okay, great. Well, so last time you gave us some of the general facts about these different lists, and you mentioned these, mainly these three different lists, right? Joshua Project has a list. IMB, and then the third one was, is it World Christian Database? What the World Christian. Yeah, the World Christian Database. Yeah, World Christian Database. Okay, so I know just, I'm, I'm actually still really learning a lot about this myself, but I do know that there are differences between the different lists, and so I, I wanted to talk about that because obviously, as I, you know, I'm kind of coming at this from a, someone of a newcomer's perspective, you know, someone who would be you know, I could relate to someone who's just getting into this and get just getting interested. So I know that for the translation, you and I were talking for the translation projects that 
our ministry at 1A Catalyst are now involved in, there were widely different information pieces to these people groups that we're now involved in. So I imagine, and I'd love to hear kind of your perspective about this, if you've got different lists originating from different sources, I imagine that's where you get kind of different estimates on the population of different peoples and even where they, some of where they live and whatnot. Talk about kind of specifics of the, the differences between these lists and kind of why those differences exist. Sure. I can uh, speak to one that, you know, you were mentioning language, Mike, and we know that it's, it's not just language, it's that also that cultural piece. But many times the miscommunication about how many individuals in a people group comes from that linguistic piece sometimes. Sometimes what we have is someone used a source about how many speakers of the language there were, and they use that as the Someone along the line kind of uses that as the whole population of that group. But in some of these groups, individuals, especially the younger generation, are stopping using their native language, their heart language. And so you kind of have a split where you have, you might have, you know, 10,000 people, 8,000 of them still speak the language and 2,000 are kind of losing that. So we have to be careful. What are we talking about when we talk about population? Is it the entire group regardless of what language they function in daily? Or are we talking about what's the number of speakers of that specific language? That's a specific instance of what really happens sometimes to get these population disparities. It's really our job, those who are maintaining the list, to do our job well and communicate with each other which we do. We don't do this in isolation. We, we have a good relationship with the, for instance, Joshua Project with people within the IMB. That's the International Mission Board. And we talk, you know, and we push back against uh, the understanding of the other person or the other organization. And then we, someone should probably make an adjustment if it becomes clear that we're getting something wrong. And we do that all the time, and that's why having different lists is healthy. There's not just one owner of right. a, an over list, as you will. That's not right. One, that's not right. one ring Monopoly. to bind them all. <laughs> that's right. So that brings up an interesting question because you'd said that you and the, some of the folks with IMB who maintain that list are in regular communication. So do you actually see that as you guys are pushing back or they're changes that are made on one side or the other regularly? Definitely. Now, though, I will say that, so the lists began a while back. Joshua Project's part in this began in 1995. And at the beginning, it was very messy, very confusing. I use those two words a lot in people group, you know, talking about the people group information. And if if you're not comfortable with confusing and messy, well, you're going to be a little bit nervous. But I will say also, to kind of quell some of that nervousness, the list's a solid, stable, much more mature place than they ever have been. And so we get information from the field. We get from field missionaries. We get from members of the people group themselves. We get better census data. And we also kind of as I say, kind of push back and forth between, for instance, International Mission Board and, and us. 
and kind of on an ongoing basis saying, why do you have 27,000 and we have 52,000? That's a huge difference. And then we work to reconcile that. I don't know if we'll ever see the day when these lists are just kind of able to be one overlaid on top of the other. Again, I don't know if I even see that as a positive thing because it's kind of, I kind of describe it as vacuuming the carpet in two different directions to make sure you've gotten everything. Okay. But just different slants and we keep each other sharp by doing so. Okay, right. Because, okay, that's good. Because I was going to ask, as you were just talking, if, I mean, if you guys are pushing back on one another and changes are made, you could at least make the case that there could be a time where if you're kind of serving as a correction to the other and vice versa, that these lists would become more and more similar. I would say that's true. They are on that path. They are continuously good positive pressure is being exerted from one to the other list. I'm mostly talking about IMB's list and Joshua Project's list because the mm-hmm. World Christian database is it's kind of hard to get at for the typical user. It's not a public list like IMB and Joshua okay. Project's list. Okay. And uh, IMB is much more a practitioner's list. It's kind of coming from their field personnel. It's very alive in that way in a very good sense. Joshua Project is much more, we kind of are passive receptors, not exactly passive, but we don't have field personnel. And so, yeah, there is a convergence and there's kind of a, you know, we might say, well, I should mention that South Asia is a real big piece of this. So there's a real divergence between IMB's list and Joshua Project's list because up until now, IMB has used more. They've kind of looked at that as linguistically, not exclusively linguistically, but Joshua Project looks a lot more at the caste system that's very much in place in mm. that part of the world. And uh, we have a researcher who has just made it his life work to do amazing research about the people groups there. And I don't want the your listeners to think that IMB only takes a linguistic approach, but that up until now it was primarily a language-based list. If that doesn't work neatly for that part of the world. Caste and community, what we call community, trumps language in that in that respect. And so we have to be, you know, we kind of have to wrap our heads around a whole new thing in that area of the world. We're talking about India and surrounding countries, Nepal, Sri Lanka, even Pakistan, and some of that area, you know. So where caste is very much a part of of the reality. So in many cases, these people are speaking three languages, and that's not the biggest barrier to the gospel among them, the flow of the gospel. You know, we've often talked to, we've interviewed people from South Asia and They've said, you know, oh, no, you know, our church ministers to people of all castes, all levels, all hierarchies. And then we begin to ask ask questions about, okay, so they'll worship together. Will they eat together? Will they marry each other's children? And then some of this reality comes out that, oh, no, we would never mix like that. 
And so that's not oh, based right. on what language is being spoken. It's that I'm from a lower caste. I don't marry with the higher caste. So that's very much a, a part. And IMB is kind of, I think they're moving a lot more to the opening of that list on the caste or community or that cultural piece beyond language. So right there, you, can, you will see some convergence there. And that's just a case, again, of, of one perspective kind of exerting a pressure on the other perspective, and there's a flexibility there. And so the list will look different, but they'll, they'll converge more. Okay, that's great. That's great. And as you were talking, I was just thinking that there will be differences. You know, for me, as a, a guy who enjoys research, obviously, at, initially, as I was learning about this, it's a little frustrating that there are some somewhat big differences because, you know, you want to, so then, because as you're doing the research, you go, all right, so is this one correct or is that one correct? Right? They're saying two different things. Yeah. At the end just of the tell day, me though, how many people there. <laughs> yeah, right. At the end of the day, and I, I think it's important to say this, that as we talk about kind of the why of our ministry, right, there are two passages of Scripture that come out uh, strongly, So, which I'm sure, Duane, are familiar to you. But in Revelation 7, we have this great vision of, behold, I looked, and there was a great multitude of people that we couldn't even count amongst every tribe and tongue and language. And I mean, that's really the end of the day, what we're all talking about, what we're all hoping for, right? So as long as these lists get us to a place where each of these ethnic people groups have a chance to hear, some of these differences really, I mean, unless they became an obstacle to proclaiming the gospel amongst each of these people groups, some of these differences don't, I mean, at the end of the day, it's really about the proclamation of the gospel. We shouldn't put the differences higher than that with the actual purpose of the list and what, what you've said a couple of times already about, hey, this is really about everyone being able to hear. I'm assuming that's your, that's your perspective as well. That's for sure. It's, it's making sure that I've got this ring right now, one of these silicone rings in my hand, and it says pray on one side and uh, there's a zero on the other side. You know, pray for zero. Zero what? Mm zero languages without a translation of the scriptures, zero peoples with no church. You know, that's what we're working towards. And so if, let's say it was only Joshua Project's list, we were the only one, There, it's very conceivable that we would miss people groups. And so to have other people saying, no, 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 what about this people group? And we're listening to that conversation but we're making sure that there's no rock unturned kind of to find who are these people groups, what is their reality, and it's a very healthy endeavor. Yeah, that's right. If there was just one list, yeah, it's very conceivable that the one list might miss someone uh, or a people group, and so then the other lists pick up and whatnot. So I wanted to be sure to ask before our time gets too far away from us, because I know that the at the finishing the task conference, they were really big about uh, with their list, which is a sub list, as you mentioned in the first episode together, that they really were wanting people to add information that they'd found on the ground. And I'm assuming that Joshua Project has that same heart. So if a 
church or a ministry interacts with your list, it leads them to a people group. They come back and say, well, you know, Dwayne, you said on the Joshua Project list there was XYZ information, but we actually found something different. Give folks an idea of what you guys do as it relates to new information that you find. So in other words, you're, you're receiving that information. I'm assuming there's a verification process of some kind. Give us a quick idea of what you guys do with that information. Yeah, we're very responsive to that. Uh, we, we very much want to hear from those who have been. We are a very small staff. We don't have field personnel. And so we're at the mercy of those who have seen with their own eyes and experienced That's why we're very uh, responsive to that. Nine years ago, we went to a conference in Bogota, and the Brazilian researchers were kind of very surprised that Joshua Project had this position of listening to what their take on things is. We don't know what's going on in the Amazon, you know, among these Amazon tribes. These Brazilian researchers in the body of Christ, they know. And if they see something that they would say, that doesn't square with what we have researched, well, we want to reconcile that. We're very open to that. And obviously not just taking anyone's word for it, but trying to do some verification of, does this person kind of exhibit that they, do they really know what's going on? Is this just kind of a feeling or is this kind of something that's born out of some deeper knowledge? And it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to be, a researcher to get that to us, but you should be someone who has been exposed to the reality and kind of can inform us, hey, you guys are all wrong. <laughs> we, oh, right. we, know that that, we know that that is often the case in some of these data pieces. How many believers are there? Uh, what's the total population of the people group? Because we're at the mercy of the information we have available. So the freshest information from the field is what we're always seeking. I assume, though, that even though someone may come back from a place and give you information, is there a way that you then process, you put that through to double check it? Well, to tell you the truth, we're probably more responsive than some people would like us to be. And that's a value of Joshua Project, could be a criticism of Joshua Project, too, that we're we're quicker to incorporate that than than some would probably like us to. We believe that's the best we can do for getting some of the data. Now, this is where IMB differs in a very good way, in a very positive way. Their information that's coming to inform their list and the statistics comes from their field personnel. They have, you know, it's one of the biggest mission sending agencies. So they have people out there able to, you know, kind of, do things through a vetting process that we don't have in place. So that's one of those where you would see IMB has a better, like a more solid reporting system in place. Oh, right, because they have so many field personnel. For sure. But, But then if they should adjust their numbers in a certain way and we see the discrepancy, then we could understand, oh, okay, they're saying this because they've got new information from the field. And then we could, we're, we describe ourselves sometimes as data scavengers. So we just, we're looking everywhere for the best information, no matter where that comes from. Obviously trying to do our best to find out how reliable is this source. And if it's kind of a wildly different number than any of the other sources, 
are claiming, well, then that should raise some flags. Oh, right. That's right. Well, Dwayne, as I had mentioned to you initially, this our time was, uh, we had plenty to talk about, and I'm so thankful that you've been with us, and I'm really hopeful that it leads to many people engaging with your website, uh, with what you guys are doing. Give folks another review of just how they can get in touch with you guys and I know you mentioned the first time there's an email address and of course give the website again and ways that people can get in touch with you guys. Definitely. We love to answer your questions. We're quick to respond. So email us at info at joshuaproject.net and we'll get right on it. We'll get you an answer if, if we can find it. And if we can't at Joshua Project, we can sometimes pass you off to others. We we're very blessed to know many in this endeavor. Also, um, Mike, last time we talked about those articles that would be really helpful. If someone wants oh, to yes, dig please. into this more, go to the website, joshuaproject.net. Go to the resources tab at the top left corner. Go to articles. And then the articles that you really should uh, be looking at are making a people group list. And then the other one is the global people group lists. And there's two versions of that kind of a summary one and then a more in-depth one. So go and look at those resources, the articles, see what you can learn there. There's a lot more kind of beyond our conversation here that will really help the person who wants to dig deeper. So please, please do contact us. That's what we're here for. Thanks for that invitation. Uh, that's great because it sort of speaks a, a lot to you guys, I think, and obviously have, you know, being receptive to hearing from folks indicates you really do want to hear from folks. So, Dwayne, thanks so much for being on our um, on the podcast and two episodes. We'd love to have you back from time to time, and I know there's more we could talk about, and particularly as we um, attend these conferences together, and it'd be great to have you back from time to time. Well, we look forward to it, Mike. Just thank you for your passion in this, and just thank you for letting us help the body of Christ in, in this way uh, about unreached people groups. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed listening to that episode and that interview as much as I had in actually asking the questions and being on the line with Dwayne. So again, go to their website, joshuaproject.net, Find out more about what they're doing. As I mentioned in this second part of the interview, really at the end of the day, it's all about finishing the task of the Great Commission. And I'm so thankful for the role that Joshua Project serves in that whole process. So you can go to our website as well, learn about the 1-8 Catalyst Ministry, some of the things that we're doing. We've got some real exciting ministry projects, including our very first uh, two Bible translation projects. You can find out more about all of that at 18catalyst.org. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Missions Mike. Would love to interact and answer any questions that you all have about our ministry or this podcast particularly. Thank you for joining us, and we'll look forward to having you for the 74th episode of the Made for Missions podcast.